Welcome to the Pathfinder Podcast, brought to you by Shillington, where we talk to creatives about how they navigated their design careers from the early beginnings up until now, and the twists and turns along the way. I'm Jimmy Muldoon, designer and teacher at Shillington's New York campus. Glad you could join us. So Craig Black is an independent designer, lettering artist, and typographer from Scotland. Uh, his work ranges from large murals to custom typefaces, packaging all the way through to branding identities. He's also been a key speaker at Agda's Australian Tour, along with other design conferences across the world and Europe. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, uh, it's great to see you again. Oh, thanks for having me. And yeah. what an introduction that was. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's an impressive uh, collection of work and, and opportunities you've you've uh, you've had there. It must have been a great uh, a great opportunity to kind of go down under and do that Australian tour. Oh yeah, it's been it's been an amazing kind of even short career that I've had. It's just been incredible. It's a bit of a whirlwind, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to like travel the world, share my story, do work with clients across the world, which is awesome. But down under to Australia was incredible and to be that international keynote speaker was just awesome and I spoke in five cities and one and I was in Brisbane doing a workshop and the response was insane like I mean absolutely insane and when people coming out to listen to my story and and how it kind of inspired them more about them and their own careers was really really special so Hopefully, hopefully, I'll be back very soon um, to show you, actually. Um, uh, fingers crossed. There's a few things in the pipeline, but we need to wait and see. Um, but who's, who knows? Because everything's happening with COVID. Yeah. I'm basically in lockdown. Because like, this year, um, I was supposed to um, do loads of, sorry about that, um, loads of conferences. Um, and obviously, a lot of them get either cancelled or postponed till next year. Uh, and there's many be travelling all over the place. So... Yeah, like, I can't wait for the next one. I can't wait to interact with people again. That'd be really nice. <laughs> that would be nice. Because you went to, um, you did, you spoke at the design conference as well. Um, Maddie, who, like, runs that, like, that yeah. guy, like, an absolute legend. Uh, that conference I've been to in Brisbane, like, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Such a great conference. It, it has, it, that was probably my first, that was my first kind of international conference, like, um and Matty's what a legend he is he's insane but what a legend absolute legend and um, I highly recommend anyone who's listening to this to definitely go to the design conference in Brisbane it's just a fantastic kind of conference but what was so special for me was the community aspect to it everyone was super friendly everyone got on and it was such an enjoyable place to be and it was great to meet new people and make new friends and for me like when I went down there, I was like a total unknown. I, I, I admit that, like, no one knew who I was. Like, who's a Scottish guy coming down here and sharing his story? Um, but what happened was um, I got on stage and I did share my story and it became one of the like, highlight talks of the whole conference and it kind of blew up from there, to be honest. Like, that was my, that was probably my stepping stone to the whole international speaking circuit. And... That's where the Agda tour for the international speaking tour happened, which was a year later or two years later. I can't remember exactly. And um, it's just grown arms and legs. And it, the biggest thing about it is when you, I think 
what I did was I grasped that opportunity at the maximum level and it's led to so many more opportunities. So one thing I always say is if anyone's got an opportunity to do any kind of speaking gig, whether it's in front of five people or 10 people in their, a small community hall, but like that's exactly what I did. Like that was my very first stepping stones to that bigger conference and now it's led to so many more amazing things for me. So I highly recommend whether you're a student, graduate, senior designer or, or whatever, like if you've got an opportunity to, to share your story, then do it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, because that, that's the thing, you just don't know what's going to happen from from that that opportunity. And it, and it even could just be to a point of like, writing for a different, you know, for blogs, you know, Creative Boom or any of those mm -hmm. design um, blogs, you know, even just introducing yourself and going, hey, I'd love mm -hmm. to write an article on on so-and-so or just introducing mm -hmm. yourself. You just don't know what can kind of come from that and those small opportunities can, can really explode. And sometimes it's rapid, sometimes it's a slow thing, but you just got to grasp those opportunities with both hands. Definitely, like... 100% because I'm currently working on a project with a client based in San Francisco and we met at the design conference in Brisbane, what was that, two or three years ago? And we've been working on a project together for now a year, a year and a half, and it's massive. It's like a huge project, but it all stemmed from that conference and creating and meeting people. Yeah. And I've had like from like doing the speaking circuit is a huge part of my brand now and it's a good way for getting business in the door. Um, so I, like, I think it's very, what's the best way of putting this? Underestimated from creatives of how important and how it can lead to so many amazing opportunities um, if you could find the courage to do it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, like, I still get scared as soon as I go on stage and stuff, but like, you, can, you quickly overcome that and then see at the end of it, every talk that I do, there's some sort of uh, like amazing feeling. Like, like I feel like I can almost like an out of body experience because you've totally overcome your fear. And it's a really, really incredible. So to do that, meet amazing people, to lead to more opportunities, it's, it's just incredible. And I really do hope creatives can take that on uh, going forward. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, we're talking about the COVID situation at the moment, like we're all still in lockdown. Like, the opportunity to just do an Instagram live, like you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we, we've got the opportunity in this digital Asia as creatives to, to really kind of share process, share a story online, mm -hmm. you know, post it, you know, doing that repetition of, Hey, this is kind of what I'm doing. This was my process behind mm -hmm. it. These are some of the highs and lows of this project, you know, and sharing that with people can just be like the starting steps to kind of build that confidence and, and build your voice um, for if that's an opportunity that, that you want to do and get into those speaking mm -hmm. situations, like just pick up your phone. You, we all scroll enough on Instagram, just, just <laughs> Instagram live and, and start sharing and you just never know who will see and who will reach and who you can kind of help and inspire. And that could just be the starting, the starting steps for, for something like what you're doing, you know, today. I totally, I totally agree with you there because obviously because of this kind of digital era that we're in and obviously the situation that we're in like it's really really important to keep up contact and networking marketing but putting a face to the name is really really important like hiding behind a logo or an icon on your instagram account really isn't enough if you're if you're wanting to 
get a job, for instance, at a design agency, whether it's right now or in the next few months. Like, you need to make connections. You need to build up relationships, which is hugely, hugely important. So if you can get on a Zoom call and like, like what we're doing right now is just being someone face-to-face, all right, it's digital with it's via Zoom or whatever you want to call it. Um, but those elements is so, so important, and it will put you ahead of anyone else as well because that human connection is so so important and that's why now like brands and uh, even agencies come to me because of Craig Black as in me my personality which comes as part of the design process as well and the finished product wherever we create that's just as important now and to be brutally honest like I didn't it wasn't as if I intended to do this either it, it kind of naturally happened and then I I seen an opportunity to say like my my face and my opportunity, my voice and my story and, and the way that I go about stuff uh, and share with the world is, is really, really important. And like I said, brands are gravitating towards that. And they went, so it would be like a brand in collaboration with Craig Black mm. and all these kind of things. And I'm like, wow, like a guy based in Scotland, I'm, I'm basically in uh, like a small town, like just outside of Glasgow. And I'm working with international clients across the world, across the world is, it's crazy and insane, but it's everything I've worked towards. And, but the biggest thing about all these things happening is I've made a lot of hard work building those connections, doing the networking, doing the Instagram lives, doing the podcast, doing the talks, doing as much as I possibly can, contacting design blogs as well, and just building relationships. Like I think it's very underestimated how important relationship building is because it's fantastic to have a, a great portfolio and you do stunning work, but you need to have a bit of personality to get that out there and share it with people. You can't expect people to find you. You need to go and knock on a few doors. And like, in brutal honesty, like even now when I'm working with clients or whatever, like I would go into LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a, a fantastic place to be. And I do recommend whether you're a student or a graduate to get on there right away because that is a direct way of you getting in contact with a creative director, a brand marketing manager or whoever. And that direct resource is really, really important. And um totally lost my chain of thought there. Um, but basically getting onto LinkedIn is building that profile because students always think that people will find you but oh sorry what I was going to say was I must contact like a hundred people and I might get one reply but that one reply will lead to an opportunity you've got to think of it as a numbers game and you can't take it personally either yeah um because going way 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 back and I think you're probably going to ask me at some point but when I graduated um from uh, Glasgow College uh I didn't get a job for I think it was I graduated and it took another four or five months before I got a job. And I'm, I honestly applied for about 80 or 85 jobs. I actually counted it one time and I kept getting rejection after rejection after rejection. And, but that didn't stop my enthusiasm and my kind of positivity to find that kind of opportunity. Like I've I, I seen it as a numbers game and just going, right, I'll keep knocking, I'll keep knocking, I'll keep knocking. And I eventually got a job uh, at Red Bee Media, which was based in London. And they were like a, a broadcast design agency, but they were like the in-house team to the BBC. But it was all motion-based work, and I don't do any motion whatsoever. I didn't learn any of it. So I just came from like a print-based background. Um, but they seen potential in me, some talent or whatever, and they gave me an opportunity. And from that, 
I was like, right, I need to learn how to do motion design. And I flung myself into deep end. And don't get me wrong, I had an amazing team around me. Like, actually, my two best pals in the creative industry, they're both Andes. Like, I've, I've been best friends with them even to this day. And they've constantly been helping me out. Um, but it, like I said, it took me like four or five months to finally get that opportunity. And I didn't ever, I don't ever see myself as a motion designer. I couldn't tell you how to even open After Effects anymore. I've got no idea what, what is it? This like mystery, I have no idea what it is anymore. But what happened was I took an opportunity to get my foot in the door and learn from people who are much more experienced. And then everything from that has been a stepping stone to where I am today. Yeah. But yeah, that's incredible. It's just like, just saying yes to those those opportunities and making the most of it. And I'm sure those opportunities scared the, you know, shit out of you. But it's just like, oh yeah. I, I have to tell you have to take a step at some point of being uncomfortable and, and getting unstuck mm-hmm. um, and moving towards that. Um, but I kind of want to like find out a little bit more about kind of about you, you know, where are you from? You know, where'd you grow up? What was it a creative household that, that you grew up in? Yeah, well, so I'm I'm placed in a place, uh, and a ugh, I'm based in a place called Gourock in Scotland. So it's about forty-five minutes away from Glasgow. It's a, a little beautiful coastal town, uh, and I kind of grew up around here. And I just love it here. I really do. Like I spent several years in London um, when I started my career, and then I moved back because I miss the lifestyle. I miss my family and friends. I miss the water. I miss the fresh air. All these kind of small things that make a huge, huge difference. So. But growing up, I had an amazing childhood. So I was, um, I've, it was me, my mum and my older brother. And, but we were very much football orientated or soccer, yeah. depending on where you look at it, but it was football. So me and my brother, when we were younger, always played football. And he was six years older than me and he would always kind of taunt me and all these kind of things with playing football, as a big brother does. But I learned a lot from him. But we had an amazing kind of, creative household as well but like my mum um, she's a hairdresser but she was so kind of creative in the sense of like she was amazing at like interior design so she would come home and buy like a kind of cheap vase and like customise it adding like beads and stones and lights to it and the whole house was filled with like amazing things like this so something rubbed off in me um, from that and what I used to do was when I do any kind of drawing or that, it would be always football orientated. It would be football badges, it would be football boots, it'd be the type on the back of players' tops, always football related. And then, so, but I had an amazing childhood in the sense of like, I didn't use, we didn't have the internet at the time. Like, we were outdoors, we were building tree huts, we were causing chaos and the mud and all those kind of things. And I, like, that was like, an absolute huge part of my upbringing and who I am today was having those elements to it. So definitely it's made a huge impact in my life. And to be honest, like I would do it all over again if I could. I would love to go back one day as a kid to go back out in the back green and just, just run riot. I would love that. <laughs> Sounds like like a, a really incredible place. To, um, like to, to see your mother, you know, to have that passion and that strive and just... Mm-hmm instead of it being brand new, it's like pulling something and like yeah. making something of it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's remarkable. Does, do you have any of her masterpieces in your, in your house or are they all? I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm actually looking around going, have I got anything? But no, um, but I, I definitely believe that process is definitely had rubbed off in me because I'm, 
a very much a believer into saying, what do I have on hand and making the best of that situation? Because what you see now, I'm kind of going to go off tangent here, but it's what you see now with technology. There's a new iPad Pro every five seconds. There's new technology here, new programs here and there. And for me, it was quite overwhelming because I'm like, am I falling behind because I don't know the latest brushes on bloody iPads or whatever? And when you get a project in the door, I, I look around and go, right, what what do I have in ha- on, on me right now that I can make the best of my ability? Whether that's what paints do I have? What woodcuts do I have? What glue? What tape? Whatever. And just using what I have around me to create something special was definitely something that came off from my mum. And like I'm looking at, I've got currently my rooms are chaos because my wife's pregnant and uh, we've got a wee baby girl coming away in four weeks. So my studio is now turning into our bedroom. So I've got boxes and artwork all over the floor and stuff. But everything that I'm looking at in terms of the artwork is all derived from like stuff that I've found over the years or something that I've used. It's never been something like new at all. And I think that's got, got a quite of a beauty about it. Like I'm, I try, I try to obviously recycle and all those kind of things and try to make a, a good impact in the world that way. So it's good to use what I do have and you don't need all the latest gadgets and gizmos and stuff like that. Like right now, um, it's the first time I've actually invested in a proper iMac. Like I had a MacBook 2013, 14 edition and I used it for seven years and it was like the smallest screen ever. And I've done some major massive projects on that and I'm like, how did I survive that, honestly? Like, how did I do it? But I managed to do it. And my wife got me an iPad at Christmas. I've not even touched it. I've not even owned it. Because my, pro- like, I've owned it once. And I'm like, I prefer pencil and paper. I, re- I really do. Like, I'm a very traditional hands-on kind of thing. And I think it just plays into me, the way I am, the way I work, my aesthetic even. It's just using that handcraft element. And I just love that. And it's probably from when we were younger because I used to help my mum like build the vases and glue stuff on and, and build things and it's just kind of now that I'm really thinking about it it's all played a major part in my life right now it definitely has yeah well maybe you can use the iPad for when your little baby girl you know grows up yeah. and you know you <laughs> just yeah tiger <laughs> on there you know you've got all the all the show you're like here you go <laughs> I know it will, it will be totally different in the next few years I'm sure like she'll be iPad obsessed. All kids now I see have got bloody iPads and stuff like <laughs> I was too, I was too busy throwing sticks and stones about and when I was younger getting covered in mud. It's yeah. a different world now. Yeah. <laughs> uh so true. Um can you talk us or can you tell us about your current role at the moment? Mm-hmm. So right now I am and my type if you call it that, is an independent designer, lettering artist and typographer. So I essentially run my own studio um, in my home and I've been doing that now for four or five years um, out on my own. And my work spans between kind of branding, packaging, installation, murals, typefaces, basically anything to do with typography and lettering I kind of play about with. And my, I think I've said before that like I work with clients all across the world, which is incredible. And um, but part of those kind of projects as well is I collaborate with a lot of other creatives to bring brands a project to life, mm. and that's something that's gotten quite huge on. Um, is working around with people and building my own team, even though I am an independent. Um, personally, I love the independence because of the lifestyle it gives me, the flexibility that it gives me, because everything that I'm doing is for my my wife and, and my daughter to be and 
um, and my family and friends, like that's really, really important to me um, is having that lifestyle. And every day I wake up, I don't, I genuinely don't see this as a job. It sounds crazy, but I, I can't wait to wake up in the morning. Like, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I go, oh, I've got to go to sleep now. Cause I just want to create, I want to build. And it gets me so excited. Like this past two weeks has been the most craziest in terms of, um, and craziest in terms of my career actually, because I just launched my dream project, um, which was unbelievable by the way. But on top of that, I've been working with a client in San Francisco and a client in India as well. So the time scales has just been off the wall and it's just been mental just trying to deal with it all. And don't get wrong, I've done it and it's set from the high level and I've done the best I could possibly do. But right now, I'm like looking forward to the weekend and chilling and spending time with my wife and literally like unplugging from the creative matrix that it is and just relaxing and stuff. Um, so yeah, I like, like I said, I work from a home studio and I love it. Um, I absolutely love it and it's something that I've been working towards ever since I graduated actually and um, so this is something that I want to share as well is like when I graduated I knew exactly what I wanted to become and that was to become an independent designer specialising in typography and lettering so when I studied I didn't have any typographic classes or any kind of lettering mentorship or anything like that at all. Don't go me wrong, sorry, I did learn the, the basis of typography as part of any kind of graphic design course, but it wasn't like a specialised school that I learned from. Um, but I remember it was like a, a final project in uni um, and I created this kind of lettering and branding packaging project and I found it extremely challenging. I mean, like it was so hard to do. It was for a fictitious kind of beer uh, company. But with that challenge, I kind of thrived in that. And it made me feel like I need to conquer this. I need to beat this or whatever that it could be. And I completed it. And I was really quite happy with the result at the time. And I remember sending it to blogs and stuff. And I ended up winning a few awards. And I quickly realized that this is something that I wanted to specialize in for the rest of my, my life and my career. So from that moment, even though I went to certain design agencies to get experience, like evenings and weekends, I was practicing and practicing and practicing typography and lettering. I was looking at design books. I was looking at tutorials online. I was just experimenting and I was doing so many bits and pieces in the evening. So what I was doing was like pencil and paper, like getting the pens out, getting on paint, like how would type look on wood? How would it look on glass? Just experimenting. And I was doing that for about two years solid uh, in the evenings and weekends of a full-time job. And then I so I got one kind of, um, you could call freelance gig at the time. And then another came and then another, and then it really it sparked something in me. Like I already had that fire, but it was just reignited. And I'm like, this is something that I, I need to do because it was my calling. It was like that. This is exactly what I wanted to do. And then I, I remember jumping into the unknown and getting out and being an independent. And to be brutally honest, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> so to give you a bit of backstrop, I graduated in 2013. I worked in two design agencies for about two and a half years in total. And then I thought to myself, fuck this, I'm going to go and be an independent. Jump into the unknown. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no money. Um, I had no clients, but I had self-determination, self-belief. I, I really believed that I could make this work. 
And um, don't get me wrong, I did do a bit of research in terms of like how to run a business, how to go out on your own. And I spoke to a lot of other creatives as well. Like I would hit up like people who I admire and go, how did you do it? How did you do this? How did I? And I probably pestered every one of them, but now they're all really, really, really good friends of mine. And if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have the confidence to go do it. Um, but on paper, realistically, what you hear all the time is, um, or when I was at my time it was, I was reading blogs saying, if you want to go start your own studio or be independent, you need to have at least 10 years um, experience behind you. You need to have three, four months of salary pay in your bank account. Um, and then I looked at my bank account and then I thought, right, I've not got much at all. I've only got a one month saving. I said, and because of the, unfortunately, the salary that I had on London, I couldn't save anymore. I couldn't do anymore. But I just thought, you know what, if I want it badly enough and if I work hard enough, it can happen. And I did. And somehow I scraped along. I made so many mistakes. I failed on a few projects, um, but I won a few projects as well. And those projects has led to the moment I am today. And it's been, I wouldn't have changed it for the world, to be honest. Like all those mistakes that I made um, has really, really benefited me. but I've made sure not to do them again. That's the key thing, is don't, don't do the mistakes again. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that, that's so true. Because um, we, all, we all have those stories of like, that job that just went really wrong. Uh, and mm-hmm. you definitely learn some lessons really quickly in, in that situation. Um, so were you doing all these kind of freelance jobs while working in London for like different agencies? So when I, so when I, um, when I started off, I was doing freelance work on the side. So I was doing a few evenings and weekends on top of the job. Yeah. But it was, it wasn't, this is the fine line between freelancing because it was more of an independent studio because it was brands and companies come to me for the work because they saw I was specialising. I wasn't specifically working for design agencies. Um, so the one, the actual job that kind of, pushed me into becoming the independent was a, a branding uh, project with interior and exterior mural design um, for it was a Mexican restaurant based back in my hometown. So I was in London working at a full-time job and I got this project coming through basically it was a Mexican restaurant and this is we're opening in six weeks time we need a brand we would love to have your interior to do murals and stuff all over it are you up for it? And obviously my heart's going, yes, my head is going, yes, we can do this. But then I I remembered that I didn't have any holidays I could take in the job because I just started. And the pay from the client wasn't great, to be honest. So what I had to do was I travelled up home. So on uh, a Friday evening, so I would finish work at 6pm. I would go to the uh, Heathrow Airport in London and then I would fly from Heathrow up to Glasgow, which is about an hour flight. All in all, I would get from Glasgow to my home um, and it would be about midnight on a Friday evening. And then Saturday, Sunday, I would knock out like 12-hour shifts, 15-hour shifts, and then fly back to London on the Sunday evening for work on the Monday. And I did that for six weekends in a row. And all the money that I get paid just paid for my my travel expenses. Um, And it was insane, absolutely insane. The amount of work that went into it was just bonkers. But to be honest, that is the, the one of the most incredible projects I've ever went through. And I would do it all over again if I could. Mm. Um, because what it did was it gave me 
the confidence that I could do this. It really did. And I thought, this, but the main thing about it, it made me happy. Like, mm-hmm. see, being able to be my own boss and dictate how it would go, being one-on-one with a client, doing the branding project with them and seeing it come to life was the most rewarding thing ever. Like, mm-hmm. I had the most ridiculous, big, stupid smile on my face when I completed that. But when I get back to after those six weeks and I was in the job and agency and I was like, this is shit. I don't want to be here. And to be honest, the environment that I was in, I just didn't, I wasn't enjoying it anyway. The work wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. And I remember there was quite a mindset at that time. I don't know what it's like now, but, oh, I'm going to, I should, you should stay at that agency because it'll be good for your CV, right? Stay for another year. And I thought, fuck that. I mean, I'm not going to, like, well, life is too short. I am not happy. I don't want to be here. I'm going to just go do something that makes me happy. And I just went for it. And the thing is, I had the full support of my family and friends. Um, I was like, I'm going to go start my own business. I'm going to do it. They're like, go Craig, go do it. They had no idea what, what because no one kind of works in my line of work in the family. So it was just to say, big thumbs up. On you go, pat me back. Um, but yeah, like everything happens for a reason. And that's what kind of catapulted me into becoming what I am today. That's, yeah, that's obviously a huge pivotal moment, like crossroads. Uh, mm. for you and, and your career. Um, yeah. Yeah, a, that, yeah, that's massive, massive, pivotal kind of change. Like, change your, your, your career and your life course completely mm-hmm. just to, like, have that confidence. One, the opportunity and the hard work, but then the confidence to really kind of, like, back yourself and having, and mm-hmm. having that support. Um, and I think, and just on that note, that, I just, like, like my gut, my gut was telling me just go do it. Like, mm. trust yourself, Craig. Like, I know you don't you, you don't know everything. You don't know all all, all the elements, but you'll figure it out. And I think that was really really important because what people think is like they, they need support or they need someone to tell them what to do or give them the confidence to do it. But sometimes you need to look internally. You need to look within yourself to mm. go. You know what? I can do this. Mm. Like, I'm going to defy the odds and I'm going to do it. And doesn't honestly I look back at my career now and, and what I've achieved in a very, very short space of time is insane. It's absolutely insane. And I'm hugely, hugely proud of myself because of that self-belief and following my gut. Like I can't stress enough. If your gut is telling you to go do something, whether it's even simple things like, I don't know, if you want to go study illustration, go study illustration. If you want to do photography, go do photography. Like, follow your gut, because nine times out of ten, it will lead you to the place where you want to go. Mm. And that's exactly what happened for me. And honestly, like, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's so so true. Like, I remember hearing a story from a good mate of mine who did the same kind of thing. You know, it was just like, I'm going to go independent, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head down to New York and, you know, it didn't always go to plan, but there was an element of perseverance, knock back, had to move back home. Mm-hmm. Right, going to go again and give it another go. Like it's it's like you said before, you know, with, we're trying to find a job. You know, it's just like knocking on doors, knocking on yeah. doors constantly. You know, you get the no, you get the no, you're like, not a chance. There's just that persistence mm-hmm. of like going back because you know you know for you you knew that's what you you needed to yeah. know this person as well like i know i need to be here i'm gonna mm-hmm. do it no no is not an answer that i'm that i'm willing to take and or i'm gonna yeah. take it's like this is 
this is going to happen and it's changed your career course and your life completely and and i'm sure there's loads of people that are listening that are like yeah like i did the same thing and my life is never mm-hmm. the same mm-hmm. um so independent designer um but you are like the co-founder and creative director of, of a studio as well you know and they and that studio kind of focuses on you know social enterprise can you kind of tell us a, about that and why you know you started this this project as well because it seems like you've got enough on your plate (laughs) (laughs) so like so creative Inverclyde it's it's not so much a studio it's more of a it's a social enterprise based on four kind of directors now and what we believe is how is creativity can create social change Mm -hmm. now I really truly believe that creativity can change the world like that is my mindset and when I mean change the world like if you can make a difference in one person's life, then actually changing the world because they will pass that on to the next person and they'll pass it on to the following person. And that's exactly what I believe in. And it's like the great thing is the three other directors have the same mindset as me. Mm-hmm. So we've now been together now for about a year and a half now. And what, we, what we're doing is we're building a creative community here in um, my hometown. So to give you perspective, like in Scotland, there's, there's several pots of kind of creative communities, whether it's um, kind of Edinburgh, Glasgow, potentially Dundee. But I don't know if this statistic is absolutely correct, but really there's about seven, over 70% of the Scottish population is outside of those kind of major cities. So there's lots and lots of towns, but who's catering for them in the kind of creative scene? No one at all. So I'm like, I'm going to take the bill by the horns and I'm going to try and help people out because we're coming to an era now where you can work from home, you can be run a creative business, but it's great to have confidence in a team and a support and a community around you. So I started doing these kind of, um, it was like talks, evening talks, and I was get, getting um, local artists, photographers, architects, just to basically share their story and share it with a wider audience. Again, go back to what we spoke about previously about opportunities and what has come of that is kind of job prospects for people as well. But what that I remember the first evening I did, and there was like twenty people there, and um, most of it was my family and friends just there for support. But it really, it, it kind of really sparked something in the community, uh, and it snowballed pretty quickly. And the last event that we did was just tail end of last year, was like we had like two hundred odd people there, and this is like towns. This is nothing like New York. This is like very very small. So what is happening is you're building this community and you're getting people to come together it's almost like an ecosystem and it's it's kind of self-generating in terms of job prospects opportunities it's giving confidence and stuff and on the tail end of that is we are it's kind of amalgamated into this kind of you could almost say it's like a studio so um kind of the council and governments scottish government are like approaching us to do kind of creative projects in the area to actually gradually improve the economy in the area um kind of there's like poverty places as well how can we make those better places to live and breathe and stuff like that so it's grown arms and legs and it's really really a super rewarding project to do and to be able to turn around and say like i created this because it's not about me it's not about me at all, and I mean that. Like it's a whole collaborative project. So, I would. We were recently working on a. It was what was it was a kind of. It's called Mind Music, and it was all about mental health, especially during COVID. 
And uh, we brought in like, was it three or four graphic designers, photographers, illustrators to come and bother this campaign. And then from that campaign, it made a difference to a lot of people's mental health across the area. Because, for instance, like um, vulnerable people who couldn't go shopping and stuff. And it was basically a campaign to make them know, like, listen, you've got help. There's people who can help you. Here's a phone number. But it was in an nice decorated kind of printed design to digital design. There was billboards everywhere. But from that campaign, the designers and creatives who were involved in that have got further work because people saw that work again. So like it's kind of been self-generating opportunities, which is unreal, absolutely unreal. And to be able to help facilitate and helping someone out in their career, like it's fantastic. Like I don't get any financial reward from this. I get nothing at all except from just trying to be a good person and make an impact in the world. So it, it is really, really special. And we're on to more and more exciting things. Yeah, I saw the the poster design on your website for that, and it was like, yeah, it was an incredible campaign. It was seems like it was just like a, something that designers can do to kind of give back and to help. Yeah. Like it's not always necessarily about drumming up business for you know big corporate companies or anything. It's just like, okay, what what? How can I use my skill set to actually mm. give back to the community? I think that's a great thing about. Uh, what you and the team are doing is like we can use what's in our hands to actually help people and yeah. you, you don't know what kind of difference you can make with just uh, from what you may see it as a simple poster but for someone else that could be mm-hmm. helping them mentally or you know giving them the confidence to know oh actually I'm not alone and there is support out there and yeah it's yeah, I love the work that you, know, <laughs> that, that you guys have done for that. Yeah, it, it, is, it is really special. And and what it has done for me personally as a, an independent studio has led to further more opportunities. Mm-hmm. Like giving up that free time has led to commissioned work. So it's not as if I'm like, I don't get paid from it, but it creates opportunities for me as well. So it's like a full circle kind of thing. Yeah. So there's, there's loads of initiatives going on right now and creatives like these initiatives are crying out for creative help like how many times have you seen initiatives which have got horrible graphic design it's someone who's probably thought oh i'm, I'm good at microsoft paint or whatever it is and then they'll just try and create a poster and types all wrong and i'm like you could someone could go in there and help facilitate that because even the things like type and legibility like someone reading that poster that could really, really help them. And it's like simple things like that. It doesn't need to be all singing and dancing. Like even simple typesetting to convey a message is so, so important. And that's where I've, it's quite an emotional journey, to be honest, because it's literally changed people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to give you a little story about it as well. Like one project we did do was um, we went into the local prison. So my wife's a mental health nurse and she's worked in the prison and she's always wanted me to go in speak to the prisoners um, so eventually I got I went into the prison and at first I was I was a bit scared I was a bit nervous I didn't know what to expect and they were in this kind of art classroom um, with prisoners who it, it was male and female two separate groups actually but what I did was we were explaining what we do as creative and and I explained the work that I do and it turned into a, an amazing kind of uh, project because what we did is we changed people's mindset from a negative to a positive. And what I found out was like two young prisoners who were part of that kind of project, 
uh, have left now and went on to or applied to do graphic design courses because yeah. based off the work that I did. So there is essentially, they seen this within me, I can make a change in my life and I don't want to go down this route of being, uh, I don't know, doing bad stuff and they want to do it for the positive and they see graphic design as a fun, creative career, which it absolutely is. Yeah. And, and it's changed their life. So if someone says that creativity can't change the world, it's absolute bullshit. It totally yeah. can. It really can. Yeah, 100%. I, I completely agree with you. Um, so hearing you kind of like talk about all the different kinds of um, mediums and channels that, that you work on, you know, you've got a really broad uh, skill set. You know, you, you're talking about lettering, you, you know, murals, your packaging, your branding in there. You know, do you think being able to wear so many different hats has been beneficial for your career? I do. Um, so the best way to distill this is, all those different things, all those different things come under typography and lettering, no matter what. Um, but the, the key thing about it all is every single project that I do is I execute at the highest level possible, the best I can possibly do. And I think that very much shows in my work. And for instance, like I've recently just completed my dream project and another project which were typefaces. And I had no idea how to create a typeface. But I, what I do is I collaborate with the right people to create those typefaces. What I mean by that is the functionality of how the typeface works. So when you're typing out on screen, how the kerning goes, how that, or there's like a whole lot of technology behind that that I have no idea how it functions and all those things. But when working with a type designer, they'll notice things that maybe I didn't see before, whether it's um, negative space, um, what about the serif this way, wait that way. But it didn't stop me from providing that work. Like the clients came to me to provide the typefaces, but I've worked with the right people to do that. So having that kind of diversity in my portfolio has hugely, hugely benefited me. Um, plus with my personality, I love to challenge myself and I love to do stuff that puts me outside of my comfort zone. Um, and I can't do the same thing once or twice. Like I need to do something else. I need to try something different. And that's just the way that I am. And it has usually helped because I remember when I first started, all the advice everyone I ever heard was you need to have a niche and you need to be specific. So you need to be an editorial illustrator and just do that. And I'm like, if I do one of those, I'm going to get bored right away and <laughs> I need to do something else. I need to build something with wood. I need to paint on glass. Um, so my mindset was like, you know what? I'm not going to listen to all these people. I'm going to just go do my thing. And that's exactly what happened. But the key thing that I did was I executed at a high level, no matter what, whether it was branding, packaging, installation, murals, typefaces. I did it to the best of my ability and it shows through my work. And that's why clients come to me now. It's because I know I can execute and, and provide world-class work, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Um, so can you, you... You work from home. Sounds like you know, you've got a lot of different things kind of going on, you know, local and, 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 and overseas clients. How does that work-life balance work for you? You know, do you, do you have like a set regimen or like a, a separate office? Like how do you, how do you work from home as an independent designer and, and try so I, to keep that? <laughs> so I'm, I'm extremely disciplined. I'm very, very disciplined uh, and focused. 
So in terms of, and even in the word work-life balance, like I don't believe in that personally. Mm-hmm. Like I believe is one, one complements the other, and one is all harmony. So what I mean by that is I am very disciplined in the sense of my wife has has put the lay down on me. Um, so I I start work at say I work from the spare bedroom right now, and I work from say nine ten in the morning till about five o'clock when she comes in from work. As soon as she comes in from work, it's game over for me. Like literally it's game over. Like I can't work any more than that because I promised her that I would spend that evening with my wife and that is so, so important. When she first implemented this rule on me, I was like, nah, that's never gonna work. Because what I was doing was knocking out 10, 12 hour shifts as we do, because you think I need to keep working. I need to keep, where's the project gonna come? All those kind of things. But what happened was a flip in my mindset in the sense of between 10 and 5, my productivity, productivity levels were sky high. I mean, I was super focused. I had my tasks that I had to do, and I executed, and I executed, and I executed, and it's the exact same for me today. So when she comes in, like I said, it's game over, and that has hugely benefited my life. It really, really has. And then in the evenings, like, I don't even do any work. Don't even talk about work. We spend life uh, life together and then I've got my friends as well and the weekends I rarely work at weekends now but I, what I'm trying to share with you is, is like regardless of if you want to be like a successful designer to even determine what successful is for you or whatever you don't need to knock out you need 60 hours a week 80 hours a week doesn't define a successful designer it's what you do in the time that you have in being productive in that time frame the amount of times that I was in an agency and I would sit at my desk and I would just mess about i'd be sitting on social media i'd be on football websites and stuff like that like it's, it's part you do it you 100 every bloody single designer does it but when you're on your own when you've got your own business when you've got a belief in a system in place like you don't mess about like i do not i very rarely go on social media during my time unless i have to post something about work I don't even go in there like Facebook's non-existent to me anymore. Like I'm, I've literally cut it off because it's all about focus and determination. And if you get the, if you've got deadlines, especially like you need to prioritize, yeah. do you know what I mean? But the key thing about all of this and as a whole is like happiness is the key to life. So if I'm not happy in my personal life, then I won't produce the best work possible in my, my professional life that is so so important that's why i'm so happy the way i am like i'm living the best life possible right now and it breeds into my work like the amount of times that people say to me like you can tell you can show your personality shines through in your work you you can seem happiness you can see it in your work i have absolutely no idea how that is happening i really don't but it is i i know i, I can know my heart and soul gets into these projects and it's very special, but it all it derives from my personal life as well. And that's why I moved back home. That's why I, I live on the coast. And that's why I do what I do in this lifestyle, because it works for me. Everyone's got different lifestyles. But the key thing about it is the happiness level. And that's what's hugely benefited my life. So, and in terms of like having some sort of project management type system, I have nada, I have nothing at all. All I have is scrap bits of paper, like I'm showing you here. Like that's what it is. So I've got a list that says things to do in the day and it's like a tick list, right? I need to get that done or I highlight what's the most important task I need to do mm-hmm. and I just execute and execute. And But when I work on the bigger projects, I make sure to bring in the right people, whether it's project management people, photographers, other designers and stuff to help facilitate this because one thing I will say is like 
being independent is extremely hard and it's not for everyone. Mm. And it's not in the sense of like, if you want to be with an agency, that's fantastic as well. Like, cause I've had some great experiences in an agency as well, but it, it's, it's figuring out what works for you and what makes you happy. But the reality is, is like, if you really want it, you need to put the hours in, in terms of focus and determination and drive. And it's not going to be all singing and dancing, but part of that is if you're happy, that's the key. Regardless of what you want to do in your professional life, as long as you're happy, then it'll all breathe through. Yeah, I kind of find that it kind of comes in seasons and you kind of spoke about that a little bit earlier on in your early career. Like there was these like passions and like you wanted to learn and grow and there was like weekend of doing, you know, painting on glass and wood and experimenting. Like, yeah, there you, you put that time in, you experimented. There were seasons yeah. where I'm sure it was just like, incredibly overwhelming and you were just like focused but you you loved it you know and mm-hmm. then the seasons where you were like you could you know kind of get back your weekends and so forth it, it's going to be different for, for every single person and it's yeah. like you've kind of found your groove in this season and i'm sure you know when when baby black comes you know <laughs> it's a new season um, exactly you're totally right there because when I started, I was obviously in a different place. Like, I didn't meet my wife at the time. I was essentially on my own. So I didn't have a little baby at the time. So so priorities change over time. So, But it's how you adapt to that situation and make it the best you could possibly be. So when, I, when my little baby comes, then I need to make sure that I'm there as a dad and I'm going to be there. Like, that's a whole part. That's another reason why I became an independent is to have that lifestyle and flexibility to take my daughter for the day and take the day off. I'll take her to school in the morning without having to worry about going into work later on and stuff like that. Like that's a huge, huge part of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I'm, I've been building this business for several years to facilitate this. Like not many people have that kind of mindset and that's totally cool. But my dream is always to have a family. It really was. And to and have a life and a family around me to support and love. And that's all it is for me. And, like, I, I love what I do. I love my life. I really do. Um, but I've I've crafted it in a sense. Like, I've moulded that life for myself. And it's taking responsibility and making that happen. Mm, definitely. Um, when when you're, you, know, you kind of showed me your list before, you know, what do you do when you're feeling maybe overwhelmed by a project or unfocused mm. or, you know, you, you've lost focus temporarily? You know, what do you do to kind of refocus or to refresh yourself what, what are some of those things that you you have learned that you implement i actually i walk out the house <laughs> that's exactly what i do um at times of being overwhelmed or the whatever situations is to unplug from the screen in terms of like getting away um and actually get out so the the most amazing thing about where i stay is like a hundred yards from the house is a beautiful promenade with water and stuff so I just go a walk across there and what I do is I leave my phone in the house like no technology and that's, that's a crucial crucial thing we're so connected to our phones these days that you can't get away from it so I've purposely left my phone in the house to clear my head mm-hmm. and it could be 10 minute walk it could be 30 minute walk it could even go at a run if I had to mm-hmm. and that has been the most crucial thing for me and and rather than being in a situation where it's overwhelming and you start to dwell on it, going, oh, I know, I need to get this done, I need to get this done. Like, sometimes the best thing you could possibly do at that time is to stop. Mm. 
and get some fresh air instead, even if it's 10 minutes. Because when you come back, you'll be refreshed and you'll feel better and you'll be more mentally prepared. And that has been a huge difference for me um, in doing that. And also staying active. Like, active is, like, probably a key thing about it. Um, like, I, I purposely got up very early in the morning to to do the workouts and do all this stuff because it's, it's not just physically good for me, it's mentally good for me as well. Um, so it really helps with all when these kind of overwhelming situations is because we all get frustration as well. So it's good to like throw some weights about and a punching bag and just let it out. Um, but it's, it, all these wee small things has made a difference in my life. And I think the good thing that I have is like I've, I've got an amazing support base and I'm very open about my emotions. I'm a more like a very open about what I'm going through as well. Uh, and that's been hugely beneficial and that's came over time as well like I wasn't always like this um, but I've re- realised that I super benefit by getting it off my chest mm. like I could dump stuff on my wife in terms of like client work or whatever just a frustration she'll have no idea what I'm talking about but just to get it out of my system and she'll say you know what Craig just take it like digest it how can you make it a positive and then I just go right okay and that's it so mm. moments like that it's kind of crucial as well and I get I get anxiety and overwhelmed all the time it's, it's part and parcel of the job but every time I keep thinking to myself like you can do this Craig you can do this and just having a little word to yourself and speaking to yourself in the mirror has actually been beneficial for me um, and also on top of that as well as I'm a big believer in doing um, visualization and positive affirmations mm-hmm. and meditation and stuff like that so meditation and breathing um exercises has hugely benefited me as well like times when you can get so caught up and stuff like taking that five ten minutes to even just listen to like a headspace app and just clear clear the mind a little and um, has been really beneficial and just the kind of positive mantra it has been crucial for me absolutely crucial so i highly recommend all these wee things especially mm. if you're a student who's studying because i've been there before and it can be quite overwhelming and stuff so remember to just like unplug get some fresh air get some exercise leave the phone behind you come back to your text messages and your tweets and your bloody social media it'll still be there when you come back uh, and it will honestly better be better for you in your mental health i highly agree yeah yeah definitely so what advice would you give to you know a smart driven design student about to enter the the real world the creative the creative world that awaits them I would say to have probably enthusiasm. Mm. I think that was a key for, thing for me was I was so enthusiastic to learn. Like everywhere that I went, I knew the creative directors knew I didn't have all the skill sets and all the things to facilitate. Like the motion design, that's the perfect example. Like I went into an interview saying, listen, I have no idea about motion design. I said, but I am willing to, to learn everything I possibly can. I said, I want to learn everything that I can from you guys and the rest of the team. And that enthusiasm was the key for me and getting through. So don't expect to to know everything. You're not expected to know everything. That we, we know this as well as creative directors or business owners. Like I like to try and bring on like kind of young student designers, but even if they've got a fantastic portfolio, see if their attitude is wrong and if they've got a lack of enthusiasm, I won't work with them. I don't care how good they are. Like I don't care. Like if you have an attitude, a fantastic attitude willingness to learn and enthusiasm that is the key things for me and every time when I worked in agencies and I looked at portfolios and had interviews with designers as well like that's what I look for and 
and then a bit of an assignment to say, you know what, I, I want to be here and stuff like that was the key things for me. So I do recommend those ones because a willingness to learn is a big thing. Don't come in being all Billy Big Balls and you know everything and you've done this, you've done that. Like, that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Like, I never got, I remember when I went for interviews and stuff, not one person asked me what, where I kind of studied, to be honest, or what I kind of do. And they looked at the portfolio and they looked at me as a person. A key, a big thing that I'll, I judge someone on, especially when I bring on as a freelancer or whatever, is can I go for a pint with this person? Can I go to a pub and have a conversation with this person, regardless of design and all those kind of things? Can I get on with this person? And that's a lot of the ways that I judge people. <laughs> you know, it is like working with them. Is that kind of philosophy? And it's true. And I, I guarantee loads of creative directors would do the exact same. A hundred percent. Yeah, I've had bosses who have said exactly the same thing. Yeah. They're like, I don't know if this is the right way to do it, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's go for a beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's proven to be right up until now, so I guess I'll keep doing it that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, so, where can people find your work? Find out more about you? Yeah, so you can find my work at craigblackdesign.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on social media at, at underscore Craig Black, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn if you want to contact me there. Um, I think that's it. Oh, creativeinverclyde.com if you want to check that out. Um, their social media is at, uh, at creativeinverclyde. Um, so, yeah, I think I yeah. think that's where you'll find me. <laughs> and also, yeah, when you're not like... When you haven't left your phone inside, you know, they can, you know, reach yeah. and be in contact. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for your time, you know, your, your insights and, and sharing your story with us. Um, it, I'm sure there's absolute gold in there for, for people that are at different parts and different journeys within, you know, within their creative career. So thank you again for your time and, and all the best uh, with coming a father really, really soon. Oh, thanks a lot, Jimmy. It was brilliant. I loved it. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. And yeah. hope to catch up with you soon, mate. Hope, yeah. Hopefully we can be back in New York next year or depending when we're allowed. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Fingers crossed. Maybe we'll just meet in Australia. We'll just all go down. Maybe, the, maybe that's it. We can finally go for a beer again. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> the best beers are on me, for sure. Um, awesome, mate. Yeah, thanks again for, you, for your time. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up again soon. Brilliant. Thanks. See you, mate. Bye. The Pathfinder Podcast has been brought to you by Shillington, the original graphic design bootcamp. To learn more about the podcast and Shillington, click the link in the bio. Show your support by subscribing and rating us on your preferred podcast platform. Original music composed and performed by Manakshi. Thanks for listening.